0: You're listening to the Clergy Chick podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From March the 21st, 2021, at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... Remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that there was thunder. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. And Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. My friends David and Sarah, they live up in South Carolina, and a couple of years ago, they bought a new home, and it was a great home. It, it had all the right bones, is another word they use? It had good bones. But the previous owners had gotten older and had fallen ill, I think they said, and it had, it had grown into disrepair. Beautiful piece of property, wonderful home, but, but just neglected for a long time. But it gave David and Sarah a chance to buy this home at a pretty good price, and they knew they were going to have to put a little sweat equity into it, you know, to give it a little TLC. One of the areas of the home that was neglected for too long was the front garden area. It was all grown up and and just kind of overrun with weeds, and you couldn't tell what was a beautiful plant and what was weeds, so they, they just kind of dug everything up and started fresh with new plantings. And the stuff that they dug up and trimmed, they put in a, in a new compost pile that they formed in the backyard. Compost is an amazing thing, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's trash, it's rubbish, it's junk, it's throwaway. Sometimes it's even stinky if you put some of your kitchen trash out there. And yet, it's compost that you want if you're going to put new plantings in the ground because it's the richest soil you can find. Compost is amazing stuff. And compost can be a metaphor similar to the one that Jesus gave us in the gospel lesson that I read to you a moment ago. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth, it is just a single grain. But if it falls to the earth and dies, then it can bear much fruit kind of like compost, and this metaphor that Jesus uses of his life as, as, as a piece of grain falling to the earth is kind of mundane, kind of boring, isn't it? I mean, Jesus, can't you give us a better metaphor? Like, you know, my life is like a rocket ship. My life is like a T-Rex. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> My life, I'm like a great warrior. No, Jesus said, My life is like a grain of wheat. Oh, thanks, Jesus, for the metaphor. What's happening is that Jesus recognizes that that he must die for his purpose to be accomplished. And so when he was thinking about this, he's he's in Bethlehem. No, excuse me, he is in Jerusalem. He is done the triumphal entry, and now he's in Jerusalem, according to the book of John. And while he's there for the Passover celebration, people want to see him. He's gotten famous, and people want to be around him. And so some Greek folks, we're told in the Scripture, want to see Jesus. And so this is kind of an ordeal, apparently. So the Greek folks want to see Jesus. I don't think they're Jewish. might have been a little easier for them to see Jesus, you know, if, he had been, if they had been Jewish. So they tell one of his disciples, Philip. And so Philip, Philip says, well, what am I supposed to do with this information? I'll go, I don't know, what? I'll go tell Andrew. So Philip tells Andrew, and the two of them discuss, hey, the Greeks, they want to see Jesus. And the two of them decide, well, let's, let's tell Jesus about it. So they go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, these Greek folks want to see you. And instead of immediately saying, yeah, bring him in, bring him in, let me see him. Jesus is deeply troubled in this moment. Okay, he's recognizing that he's going to die, and he, he's not thrilled about the idea. But he recognizes that it is his purpose. He recognizes his life like a grain of wheat. It must fall to the ground and die so that it can bear much fruit. Otherwise, it's just a single grain. And so he begins to tell them how troubled he is and how upset he is with what he has to endure And we're not sure if those Greek folks ever get to see Jesus, but what Jesus does say at the end of what he tells them is he says, When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I will draw all people to myself. And roughly 2,000 years later, I'm thinking, Is that such a good idea, Jesus? Really? Really? I mean, even, even those people, really? You want to draw them unto yourself? This idea of drawing all people uh, kind of reminds me of a poem that I found a while back. I'm going to read it to you. It's by a fellow named Taylor Ludwig. It goes like this. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights, nor its decor, but it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the users and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus, Hey, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Child, he said, they're all in shock. They never thought they'd be seeing you. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it we think we're in the in crowd, right? What Jesus is doing and drawing all people to himself runs countercultural. There's that word I like to use. It's not what we do. It's not innate in our nature. Our nature tells us to exclude, to draw lines, to create boundaries, to say that we are different than those people. And so this notion of Jesus drawing all people to himself, sometimes we don't like it a lot. But this notion of, uh, uh, of Jesus drawing all people to himself in this poem reminds us that, you know, maybe judge not, lest we be judged. That there are other things that we know not of, truths about other people that we can't comprehend. <laughs> when we follow Jesus... Our work is to join Jesus in the work of drawing all people to Him. That's what it means to follow Jesus. No longer is there room to exclude and to create boundaries and to suggest that people aren't included in the all people that Jesus wants to draw into Himself. And every time we pray that prayer that we pray on Sunday mornings, Thy kingdom come. What we are praying is that earth would look like heaven with all of those people in the mix. What it looks like in society is is that we create this concept of a beloved community. This is is language that Dr. Martin Luther King used. Beloved community. That's what heaven's going to be like. And so we try to create that here. And what the King Center said that this phrase from Dr. King means is this. Beloved community is a global vision in which all people can share in the wealth of the earth. In the beloved community, poverty and hunger and homelessness will not be tolerated because international standards of human decency will not allow it. Racism and all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and prejudice will be replaced by an all-inclusive spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. Thy kingdom come, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. And let me be a part of that. Let me be a part of the work of drawing all people unto Christ. It's just not how we're wired, though. It runs counter to who we are. We make our judgment. We cast our aspersions. You're in and you're in, but not so much you. There's a story about an old man who was very poor, but he had one possession that was very valuable. He had the most beautiful white horse that you have ever seen, that anyone had ever seen. And it was his horse. He was very poor, but even kings were jealous of this man because he had this horse. Such a horse had never been seen before. The beauty, the grandeur, the strength, Kings asked for the horse and offered fabulous prices, but the old man would say, you know, this horse is, this horse is my family. How can, I, how can I sell off a member of my family? He is a friend, not a possession. How can you sell a friend? It's not possible. And so the man was poor, and there was every temptation, but he never sold the horse. And one morning when he woke up, He went to the stable, and the horse was gone. And the whole village gathered, and they said, You foolish old man. You knew that someday this horse would be stolen, and you were so poor. How can you protect such a precious thing? It would have been better to have sold it. You could have fetched any price you asked for that horse. Any fancy price was possible, and now the horse is gone. It is a curse. It is a misfortune. The old man said, You know, not so fast. Simply say that the horse is not in the stable. This is the fact everything else is a judgment. Whether it is a misfortune or not, how do you know? How can you judge? The people said, you silly old man. We may not be great philosophers, but no philosophy is needed. It is a simple fact that a treasure has been lost, and it is a misfortune. The old man said, hmm, I will stick to the fact that the stable is empty and the horse is gone. Anything else? I don't know. Whether it is misfortune or a blessing, because this is just a fragment. Who knows what's going to follow it? And the people laughed. They thought the old man had gone mad. They always knew he was a little loco, you know. Otherwise, he would have sold the horse and lived in riches. But he was an old man, and he lived like a woodcutter. He was still old, still every day he had to go out into the forest and chop down the wood and sell it, and he was living hand to mouth in misery and in poverty. And now it was completely certain that this man, he was crazy. Well, after 15 days, suddenly one night, the horse returned, and he had not been stolen. He had escaped to the wilderness, and not only did he come back, but he brought a dozen wild horses with him. And so again, the people gathered and they said, Old man, you were right, and we were wrong. It is not a misfortune. It has proved to be a blessing. We are sorry that we insisted. The old man said, Again, you are going too far. Just say that the horse is back and say that 12 horses have come with the horse, but don't judge. Who knows whether it is a blessing or not? It is only a fragment Unless you know the whole story, how can you judge? You read one page of a book, how can you judge the whole book? You read one sentence in a page, how can you judge the whole page? You read one single word in a sentence, how can you judge the whole sentence? And even a single word is not in the hand. Life is so vast, a fragment of a word, and you have judged the whole. Don't say this is a blessing. Nobody knows. It would be like to live like that without judging, recognizing that our knowledge is, is just limited. What we know about other people is, is such a small part of what they embody, that what we see on the surface does not represent their family or the culture in which they were raised or their whole expansive life history. What we know about other people is so small. How dare we judge? How dare we? Hmm. Remember that compost pile that my friend David and Sarah made out back with the trimmings that they had made from their front yard? You remember that compost pile I mentioned? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, that compost pile surprised them because out of that compost pile burst forth into the springtime air beautiful yellow dazzling daffodils. They have the most beautiful compost pile in all the earth. How could they have known that in that soil were the bulbs, the seeds for something beautiful? How could they have known And so let us not hold judgments for each other. Instead, let us remember that Jesus draws all people unto himself. And remember that even untended gardens are encoded with beauty. And even bad seeds can bloom. Giving thanks that a grain of wheat that drops to the earth and dies... Yields abundant fruit in time. Thanks for listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.